I think one of the advantages that I had is that I'm not a steel fabricator, right? I'm just a, a guy who likes to organize stuff. And so when it came to um, creating this apprenticeship program, and it, it's not all me, I've got to be honest with you, man. We, our fabrication manager had some great input. He did his apprenticeships in the UK. Uh, and um, the guy who, our safety quality training guy, he did his apprenticeship here. Uh, and so they were both heavily involved. But one of the things I wanted to do is not have the apprenticeship that they had because they always complained about the fact that when they started their apprenticeship, they spent the first year sweeping the floor. Kia ora, I'm Troy, here as CEO and welcome to Stirring the Pot. Thanks for connecting. If you're new, here's what you can expect. We're going to be talking the tough stuff, the things that keep us metalheads up at night. There are many challenges facing our industry and equally many opinions on how we should tackle them. Stirring the Pot provides a facilitated forum to discuss and challenge these viewpoints. So let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. Today we're talking with General Manager of Black Steel Mobile, Stephen Powell. Stephen has held senior operations and health and safety roles at Black Steel since 2003 and has played a pivotal role in the development of their apprentice training program. All right, Stephen, let's kick things off. I guess it's always a good place to start um, at the beginning. Yeah. Um, uh, for those that don't know you or who you are and what, what do you do, do you want to just give us a bit of a rundown on who you are, what you do, where you come from, um, that kind of thing? Yeah, sure. So I am the general manager for Black Steel Mobile. We, we specialize in residential structural steel. We do a bit of light commercial, but only if our clients kind of bully, it, bully us into it. Um, we really prefer the residential high-end right through to apartment blocks, cookie-cutter houses, anything like that. It's just that's where we started, that's where we specialize, and that's what we really love to do. Nice, nice. And I guess, how I mean, how long have you been involved with Black, oh. Black Steel? <laughs> I, uh, I, I met uh, the old owner of Black Steel. I met him in 2000. Uh, I'd come back from a failed OE, and uh, I had no job. Uh, my car was broken. I had... Um, I'd missed my university enrollment for the next year. Uh, and so I just I had a little part-time job that I picked up and I just bothered everybody there until they, someone would find me a job. And I just happened to meet Tony through an accountant that worked there. And I just showed up with him and we just clicked straight away. Wow. Um, it was me, him, and three other guys working out of his carport in Beachhaven. Uh, <clears throat> and then I just... I was laboring and I am the world's worst laborer. Honestly, I took more paint home on my leg hairs than I put on the steel beams. I <laughs> I, I, I broke tools. I lost stuff. I, I, I dinged up one of his vans. I did everything wrong. Um, but while he was, you know, trying to grow, he, you know, sort of said, hey, what do you do? And I said, oh, I've been to university. And he said, well, do you want to help me out? So I helped him out just after work and whatever. I was building some systems and processes in and around making things better. Um, and yeah, as I said, we just clicked. We were like soul brothers from a from a really weird planet. Um, and so about a year later, I said to him, "Look, man, this has been really, really cool, but I think I've got to, you know, go back to my real life now, and I'm going to go back to university and carry on." He said, "No, no, don't do that." He said, "Come work for me. Um, get off the tools, and I'm going to use the word tools in inverted comma." <laughs> yeah. I think he was sick of me breaking his tools. Uh. Um, <clears throat> and so he gave me the auspicious job title of project coordinator. Uh, and then I just started helping out and, you know, we, we found a couple of really good people to work with. We, we picked up an accounts and admin manager who's amazing and we picked up a fabrication manager who is amazing uh, and they're still both with us today, um, like 17, whatever years, 18 years later. 
Um, and then so, you know, with Tony and, 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 and Angela and Andrew, we just grew and grew and grew. Um, we started to be a bit more professional here and there. And we you know, started, you know, worrying about all the important things that a business needs to worry about. Uh, and, you know, we, we eventually got to the place now where we are, I don't know if we're big, but there's 40 of us now. And it was like five of us when I first met him. So, wow. So that's kind of the strange old background that, uh, <laughs> brings us that, here today yeah <laughs> yeah for my sins i think <laughs> well yeah you, you made mention of uh systems and processes and kind of uh those sorts of things um i'm interested to to, to have you kind of paint me a bit of a picture of um i guess what what i mean what does hr uh within a fabrication business like yours look like um in 2022 because i imagine it looks quite a bit different to when it did what it did way back then um yeah just yeah, paint us a picture of kind of what that 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 particular sort of system and process area looks like for you guys i think it's it's yeah you're right for starters you're right it's, it's a lot different to you know when i first started we we basically had no hr um and then it's changed quite a bit um but i think for us, you know, finding qualified steel fabricators is, is, is almost impossible, right? We've almost, we've been advertising um, almost constantly for the last two or three years. Uh, and I think we've employed one, maybe two um, qualified steel fabricators. It's been really, really difficult. But, um, you know, we, we have, a, have a separate apprenticeship program that's helping us deal with that as well. Um, and then I think also finding good, keen, young people who are really quite keen to invest in themselves, that's been quite tricky as well. Um, I mean, we've got a bunch of young kids at the moment and they are fantastic. They, they show up every day, they're, they're keen, they're motivated, um, but it's been a bit of a mission trying to find them. Um, I think, so staff retention is also an absolute focus, right? I mean, not, it's, it's not probably the most glamorous job in the world being a steel fabricator, um, but it's super important, right? One of the one of the key theories that, that we run our business on is that if if every decision we are making isn't designed to make the steel fabricator's life life easier, better, more efficient, then what the what are we actually doing um, in our management roles? Um, so you know it's a slow process, but we we, we you know we, we're definitely getting better at that. Um, and then I think the other. I guess the key thing for me is that just general stress, right, in, in the workplace, and it's <clears throat> it's quite easy to roll out uh, the COVID card, but that definitely has added a much larger level of stress in the general population. And you know, black steel is no different. Um, so we've put some um, processes in place to try and help people with that. Um, I don't know how successful it's been, but you know, we're doing what we can in very new and different circumstances to what you know, we kind of all thought we were going to be dealing with in 2019. Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, I mean, let's, let's, I guess, take a second to maybe dive into some of those because I know that, um, yeah, I guess, your reputation supersedes you in terms of um, being an organization that looks to try and find solutions to some of these challenges. Um, and you've, you know, you've, you've painted a, uh, a pretty, um, a pretty challenging picture for you guys in 2022. <laughs> um, I mean, what are, what are, you know, let's get down into the weeds a little bit. What are some of the things that you are doing? Um, to be able to combat those those things, you know, you, you've mentioned COVID. You mentioned um, trying to attract and retain um, talent. Is there is there a particular um, strategy that you're using, or you you know particular programs that you're trying to tap into that seem to be getting some traction? Um, we we 
even before COVID, we identified that um, steel fabricators were going to be hard to find. So we, we put in, we built over the last seven or so years, we built a, quite a robust uh, apprenticeship program. Um, we've been pretty successful as far as that. We've got good um, of, we, I think we've lost two along the way, but of the five people that could have qualified, we've got three across the line. Um, and so, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> so I think, you know, that, that's been quite critical. Uh, we've built some new relationships with recruiters trying to spread the web. I don't think that's been very successful, but we've been trying because you never know what you're going to get, right? Um, we've, built, we, we have, we've built and are building relationships with some local schools. Um, we were involved with, in a gateway program with, uh, with a local school, uh, and we, we had a young guy come through, and he did work some school holidays with us. He was about 16, did some school holiday work with us, and then he was working every Wednesday all day. Um, good young kid. It turned out it wasn't steel, really wasn't for him, but you know we gave him a, an opportunity, and we paid him for it the whole way through too, so it wasn't like a free thing. I don't really believe in making people work for free. That doesn't seem right. I wouldn't work for free, <laughs> so why would they? Um, but we're working on a new relationship with another school at the moment where we think we can get a much closer relationship. We're offering um, tools and equipment to the to the school, um, sort of in, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? And we'd want to really get in front of the kids and, and the gateway kids who aren't going to be, you know, going to university and they want to get out there and start earning money and having a hands-on job, you know. Um, so we're trying to work on that as well. <clears throat> Had a bunch of emails and a whole heap of conversations with them. Um, and we, we've got plans to go to other schools as well, ones that are a bit more closer uh, to where we actually are. Yeah. Um, I mean, how, how are you finding the, um, I guess, the um, that process with the local schools? Are they receptive? Are they, are they, or is there a bit of a process in terms of, you know, are you guys the ones that are, uh, are doing the bulk of the work in, as far as instigating? Or is it really just a little bit of hit and miss? Oh, so the first time we got involved was um, like someone from, the sc from a, a school rung me and said, hey, I've got this one kid who needs some help. And I said, well, do you know what? Why not? You know, I was a young kid once and, you know, Tony took me under his wing. And so I feel like paying that back is, is probably you know, quite a um, good way to uh, uh, increase my good karma. Um, and so we gave that a crack. But then um, when my, my oldest son, who just started high school this year, he went back to the, um, the high school that I went to when I was a kid. <clears throat> and uh, I, I just remember being there and there was kids at school who just clearly weren't going to go to university for whatever reason it's just not them right i chose to go um my brother didn't uh and you know he's he's a builder and he's doing really well um and so i just wanted to see if i could connect back to the school um and so we've led it uh and in fairness they've been really really receptive so far it's a slow process because obviously there's a lot of boxes to tick and you know they can't let any old weirdo wander into school i guess um so but i think that they've been quite receptive to it um, we've tried in, in years gone by with other schools and they haven't been very receptive to it. Um, but again, times have changed now, I guess. It's not the same as it was in 2017. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, no, interesting, interesting. So um, I, I guess now, a little bit of a fact check time. I mean, I've, I've heard it said around the traps that um, you guys are carrying one of the highest percentages of apprentices. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I, I know we have a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what um anybody else is doing because there's not a lot of um information sharing around that um but yeah we we've got at the moment we've got 
I think five apprentices. We just two two just finished, so we we were at seven and we're down to five now. And I've got two more signing up with us. They already employed by us as trades assistants, and they sign up by the late August or early September. We've already got that all in place with competence. Um, so there's forty of us and forty one of us at the moment. So there's seven apprentices there. Um, so if that's a high percentage, then yeah, we have a high percentage. <laughs> um, it's just it's just it's a again it's a something we realized that one of our we, we used to do these and we kind of still do them really these big hairy audacious goal meetings and we always when we sit down we go right what are the big um, roadblocks for us getting where uh, we want to go and one of them was um, fabricators um, and so we just thought to ourselves let's just try and, and build an apprenticeship program and we just started off with one guy uh, and he'd already um, had a go at an apprenticeship and he got two years into it and he chucked it um, and and he was late 20s and so we thought oh he's going to be easier for us to start with because we had no idea what we were doing either um, so we, we took him on board uh, and we, we kind of put um, one of our uh, other admin team in place and it just turned out that he happened to be a really good educator um, and so we when we were about a couple of years down with him, we brought in another guy and then another guy. And then we ended up um, having, yeah, as I said, about seven on the go um, at any one time over the last three or four years. Wow. That sounds, uh, I guess uh, I'm, I'm, first of all, hat tip to you. This sounds like that's a, that's a lot of, um, I guess, additional admin <laughs> that sometimes, is, I guess, in, a, uh, in that medium-sized businesses um is quite hard to to justify a lot of the time because like you say there's uh, you know that often looking for that uh that silver bullet that that you know that qualified fabricator that can come in and just do the job and be somewhat low stress and 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 you know um not really be too disruptive because I, i'd imagine with that percentage of uh apprentices and all of the extra admin that goes with it and then obviously the ups and downs and roundabouts of having to walk someone through their learning process as well as trying to um i guess retain some quantifiable return on that investment can be quite challenging um i mean if you were to think about i guess some of the things that you might have learned along the way in terms of establishing that system does anything stand out or strike you as like wow that was a, a light bulb moment that we we learned something about um that process i think i think one of the advantages that i had is that i'm not a steel fabricator right i'm just a, a guy who likes to organize stuff and so when it came to um creating this apprenticeship program and it, it's not all me i've got to be honest with you man we our fabrication manager had some great input he did his apprenticeships in the uk uh and um, the guy who our safety quality training guy he did his apprenticeship here uh, and so they were both heavily involved but one of the things I wanted to do is not have the apprenticeship that they had because they always complained about the fact that when they started their apprenticeship they spent the first year sweeping the floor and I, I that just didn't seem right and so we restructured it so we now employ people as in a different role and then when we think they're ready when they pass the attitude test um then we offer them an apprenticeship and at that point in time they already know about steel they already know about us um so it's a it's a bit of an easier transition you don't have to teach them everything while they're on the apprenticeship you've got them for six months beforehand and you know 
sometimes they go, oh, that was a great six months. I really want to be a steel fabricator. And sometimes they go, hey, man, that was a great six months. And I don't want to be a steel fabricator. And sometimes they just don't last six months because it's just not for them, which yeah. is fine. You know, I don't, <clears throat> I don't really believe in making people do things that they don't want to do. You know, they, they've got every right to make that choice. Um, but one of the, I guess for me anyway, the level of support that we offer, we like to believe that the level of support we offer is, is pretty good. Um, it's a kind of a long, boring story, but when my eldest child finished, first started at school, he came home and I said to him, how was your first day at school? And he said, it was great. And I said, oh, what class are you in? He goes, I'm not in a class. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I said, what room are you in? He goes, I'm not in a room. I said, were you learning on the field? Come on, man, help me out. He goes, oh, I'm in a learning habitat. And I really love that term. It, just, it has some good connotations. Uh, and so everyone laughed at me when I said, we're going to have a learning habitat at, at Black Steel. And so now, and it's been going on for the last four or five years, every Monday at 4.30, all of the apprentices get together in the learning habitat uh, and they kind of learn off each other. So we, we, we obviously manage that, 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 that time period, but you've got the year ones and the year twos, threes and fours all working together. It kind of creates a feedback loop where they work together. And so the year fours are helping the year ones and the year twos and threes are working together on, on problems and, and, and we're there to support them the whole way through. Um, so I think... I don't know if a light bulb moment might be the right term, but it's just one of the things that when I did sit down originally and, and plan this out, everybody who had done an apprenticeship, the one concern and the one thing they said that they wished had been better is the level of support that they'd had from their employer. And when you know, I spoke about with about six or seven people who worked with us at the time, uh, and they all said the same thing. And so my thought, thought was, well, they can't all be wrong. Uh, so let's see what we can do to address that. And it was a bit... It, it was a bit different, difficult at the start because, again, we had no idea what we were doing. There's not a lot of support out there for when you try and do this. Um, and so we had to make it up a little bit ourselves. Um, but we, you know, we've been doing it for six or seven years now and it, we've got some pretty good results. I mean, three out of five that could have finished have finished. Um, we actually got a ceremony next week, Wednesday, to present um, the certificates to the two guys who just passed. And, you know, there's a bunch of goodies we're going to give them as well, some cool tools and bits and pieces to celebrate that because you know I, I think it's something worth celebrating it's you know it's um pretty important mm. Mm -hmm. oh it's, and again i think it's a great i guess it's a great lived example of the power of feedback as well um you know being able to listen and you know I, it's it's so awesome hearing you say um <laughs> we talked to some people they said some stuff and they couldn't all be wrong um <laughs> You know, it's so often we, uh, I guess, we allow our own opinion to get in the way of, I guess, the truth that can be right in front of us. Yeah, well, that's probably an advantage. Is I, I'm not a steel fabricator, so I didn't have an, any experience, and I just, I just took what they said at, at face value and, and just thought to myself, you know, maybe saying they can't all be wrong is a bit incorrect. <laughs> maybe they must all be right. Let's go yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, again, I think that my advantage is that I had no, um, I had no of none of my own experience to be biased by. Yeah, yeah. So it was just these guys telling me what they thought would be an ideal situation. And I, I didn't, not me going, oh, well, back in my day, we used to do this, rah, rah, All this happened to me because I had no idea. Yeah. Um, and I think there's some, again, some real genius in, in just uh, just tweaking the, uh, the hierarchy of the roles, you know, and actually going, you know what, um, let's create that, that entry-level position that actually takes care of that, you know, year one, year, I, I, my, so an example being my wife's American and we often talk about 
um, the difference between um, the first year in college in the States versus the first year in university here. Um, and there's, you know, the first year in college in the, in the US often feels like the last year in high school. Like you, ah. you kind of, you're playing catch up because you you go sort of just going through the motions and it's it's if i'm if i'm not mistaken it sounds like you've almost by flip-flopping that and creating that entry-level position you've you know you've given your um potential apprentices that you know that shake shake out period i yeah. guess that, that was the idea behind it i mm. guess that, that was the idea behind it i get i think that there's just there's a lot to learn in in that first year there's a lot to learn about steel right i mean there's a billion different sizes in you start talking about full penetration butt welds and people start to want, look at you with one eye going, what's wrong with you, mate? Yeah. Um, which is why I don't talk about those in public too much. <laughs> um, but there's just so much to learn with the steel sizes. And then you're talking about um, like just the mechanics of doing a four-year apprenticeship. You know, There's a lot of time and energy they need to spend after hours doing work. Uh, and so the idea was if we could strip away some of the things that they could learn beforehand before what can you learn about being a steel fabricator before you actually start that journey and so you know we we run like not every week but in in sections we run like welding training we, it's all paid for we, we pay for the guys to do it all and so they might come in and do some welding training even before they become an apprentice just so you know they can learn the basics of that and we, we partner them up with some of the more experienced guys in the workshop so they're out there just you know doing it uh, a little bit here and there and picking up some basic skills before they've signed the paper. Um, again, you know, there's not, I just, it would be terrible if someone started up an apprentice because of what they'd always wanted to do and got three weeks in and went, actually, this is, this is not what I want. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I, so and I've been through that before, right? You know, <laughs> when we've made these, all these mistakes before, so <laughs> trying not to make them again. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. So that's the idea anyway. Nice. Nice. Um, so I guess it, well, I mean, we kind of have covered it already, but I'm I'm interested to maybe to rack your rack your brains a little bit further. Um, we obviously we had our future forum um, here at the future forum back in 2020, and uh, one of our awesome speakers, Alia, um, she just had this this really great line in one of her presentations, and you know, um, uh, I guess the the paradigm being, you know, we often spend a lot of time trying to attract good talent, um, but maybe we don't spend enough time trying to uh, keep talent good if that makes sense yep um and i guess you know is there anything that you've um i guess picked up on your journey and the mistakes that you've made or any insights that you can give us around i guess what you you know you and your team are doing to keep talent good obviously we're always on the hunt for good talent yeah. um but yeah what what's 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 keeping your team good i think we could do a whole nother podcast on the mistakes that i've made over the years right <laughs> um i just i absolutely hate losing talent it's i keep telling people this it's one of my go-to lines <clears throat> talent retention is is tip top it's got to be um especially we are a little bit more specialized with the, with the with the residential stuff so it's not like you can just plug and play anybody in um but i think bringing people through and having people see that there's a future there so when you start as a ta you can see these apprentices because they're there and they're doing this learning habitat right and then when you're an apprentice you can see the the steel fabricators in front of you, you can see that they're doing a wider variety of exciting stuff and when you're a fabricator, you can see that 
every member of our operations team has come from the tools. I don't, I've never, not one time recruited someone into uh, an operations management role. They've always come from the tools. Um, uh, all of our project managers used to be fabricators with us. All of our, um, our health and safety training quality people, they've all started with steel, as, as steel fabricators with us. So I think one, and there's a lot of training and stuff that goes into all of that. Uh, so I think my kind of vision is if you can see there's a pathway for you to follow um, and you can see that guys you know have tread that path, then you have some faith that you'll be able to tread that path as well. It doesn't always work, but that's that's kind of the, the theory that I'm working on. Mm. If, um, you, if you can see it. Yeah, if you can see people you know who tread them. It's really easy to walk into a company blind and, I, and, and I'll say, oh, we do this and we do this. And people go, yeah, whatever. You're just trying to get me to sign a bit of paper. But because we've got, re- we've got pretty low um, staff turnover, people now who've been there for a long time or who've even just started and talking to the new guys, talking to the older guys, sorry, they can see that, that, that pathway. Um, and that, that, I think that helps. Mm. Mm. Um, a, you know, we do a, a bit of external training as well. Um, we would send one of the guys came down to the Hero High Strength Bolting course last week. Um, he left going, oh, wow, this is going to be boring. I don't want to go. And then he came back going, I'm going to change the world. This is amazing. <laughs> um, which I thought was really, really cool. I've got another guy coming down to the next one. I think there's another one in September or maybe late August. I can't remember. Um, and, you know, so one guy's writing up all these things he wants to change. The other guy's going, oh, wait till I've done the course. Wait till I've done the course. <laughs> um, I, I, I just think it's important to... Um, take value where it where you can find it and just add it back into the team mm, mm, interesting i mean i guess if we we step out a little bit and go uh up to um i guess a thirty thousand foot view of of industry um is do you think you know what role or what challenges should be should industry be taking on um to maybe help provide um, either some support or some solutions to some of the challenges that you've kind of outlaid so far already in our in our chat. Um, I think this. I think that um, there might there would be it would be interesting to see if schools got some financial support to enable them to connect with local businesses. And I don't know whether they do or not. I'm not an expert on it. Um, but it, it doesn't feel like it. I think, you know, your average year 12, year 13 student probably has never even heard of steel fabrication. Um, but they know all about builders and plumbers and sparkies, which is fantastic if you're a building company or a plumbing company or an electrical company. Um, but, you know, there's a wide, diverse range of trades and other industries that just nobody even knows about until you've left school and fall into it by accident. So I think, you know, if you could find a way to get the schools to actively engage you know the gateway programs with a wider variety i think that would be really really helpful um and there's obviously some government immigration stuff that's quite contentious in the media at the moment um you know i i I liked the um the old uh, work to residence accreditation program that that we were part of this this new one is a bit more onerous i think is the politically correct way to put it <laughs> um so yeah i guess you know talent is hard talent retention is hard training takes a long time it's really really rewarding All right sometimes we, we we sit down there 
um, you know, when we get a couple of guys through at the same time, we sit down there and we pat ourselves in the back for about 37 seconds and then go, all right, who's next, all right? Um, you don't have a lot of time to rest. Um, but yeah, there's some immigration stuff that I, that, that, that I think there could be some work done on. Um, but I guess that, that might be a quick fix, it might not. But I just, if you're going to create a sustainable, um, sustain, sustainable pathway for people to come through, it's like everything else. It's got to start at school. Yeah, it's interesting. I'd be interested to uh, to dive into that a little bit deeper and um, yeah, to have a look and to see what is actually out there in terms of opportunities because it's something that I guess we take for granted that, you know, like you say, plumbers, sparkies, ch you know, chippies, whatever, they're always front and centre in, in terms of that that pool of talent that is coming through those schools. But um, yeah, often that steel fabrication piece is, is kind of left untouched, so to speak. Um well, we're sort of we're getting to the the pointy end of the conversation, and probably thinking about st starting to wrap things up. But I've got a couple of just a few few final questions for you. I'm um, I'm interested because, like like you said, you've been in the in the uh, in the black steel environment for eighteen plus twenty two years, twenty two years now. Showing my age now. Don't ask how old I am. <laughs> um, I'm interested to 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 know, you know, is there stuff that you're doing? now that you know even if you were to jump back five years you're thinking like we would never have considered doing this um but now that you're doing it you're kind of going well why didn't we do this sooner man that is a great question right when i re when i read that question uh, yesterday i was it, i was had to give that a lot of thought i think <clears throat> first of all we we put in place, and I mentioned this before, like this quite big, hairy, audacious goal we had. And it, it kind of, at that time, I think we understood that um, we were going to be dealing with an aging population. We were going to be dealing with restricted ability to train. And and we, we kind of realized we were going to be dealing with some like growing you know, mental health concerns in society. And so we put in a bunch of different procedures and policies quite a while ago. They don't often get enacted, but they're there. Um, and so, I mean, obviously, we never considered that there was going to be a global pandemic and I was going to be sitting at home for five weeks, two years in a row, right? No one considered that. Um, but I think we kind of had an idea because there's some good research that comes out if you read the government research and if you go to the you know, SCNZ conferences and things like that, there's always some good speakers there who give you this information. And it's really up to you as, as an individual manager, owner, operator, to try and take that information and, and, and work with it. So I think that um, we kind of knew this was gonna, uh, some of this was gonna come and so we, we had some things in place. Um, but you know, we, we've stepped up, we've, we're working on building a relationship with mates in construction. Um, I don't know how much you know about those, but it's basically supporting mental health from in construction workers, um, which is really important. Uh, I've, I've been, as you just said there, a long, long time now, um, and we, we've seen people go through all kinds of, of stuff and, you know, it's, it's difficult coming to your boss for help. Um, so we try and make it easy as we can. Uh, again, I'm not convinced we get it right every single time, but, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a manager and not a mental health professional. We're just doing the best we can and we try and push people in, in the right direction. And I guess, you know, if you went back seven, five, six, seven years ago, probably I never would have thought that that was going to be a thing. Um, so, and it's now you begin to realize just how important it all is. And, 
and um, so that's why we're looking at that. We, we've got a few other um, ideas in the pipeline, but it's all sort of early days at the moment. Um, but it really just comes down to supporting your team in whichever way you can and trying to make it as easy as you can for them to come to you. And so we have, you know, with every one or two weeks, I send, you know, like a newsletter out to the team. And most of the time it's, you know, if anyone wants to come see me, just come see me. Um, and, you know, people have to make those decisions on their own, but we're trying to be as open and supportive as we can. Cool. Um, all right, well, to wrap things up, I'd be really interested to, I guess, have you paint a bit of a picture for us as to, um, you know, you, you've referred to um, BHAGs or Big Hairy Audacious Goals a few times um, yeah, throughout our conversation. And I'm interested to kind of, <coughs> excuse me, um, get a sense of what you know. What does the next five years look like for Blacksteel? You know, what are what are the hopes and dreams, and kind of what's the trajectory that you're hoping that you can take uh, the organisation in, so that when we sit down in five years' time and have that conversation, we can reflect back and go, "Wow, you know, this is what a what a what a wild ride it's been." How wrong was Stephen? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we, you know, we we do have some pretty gnarly growth targets to achieve. Right, that's part of the the goal of the next five years. Well, four years now is to achieve some pretty gnarly growth targets. I think, you know, with with the economy and, and the COVID and all the other stuff, it's going to be quite tricky. So what we're really working on now is the infrastructure works behind um, getting prepared for the market to turn because, you know, it's like every other time there's a market slowdown or whatever, it just it bounces back, it has to do. Right? That's just the nature of economics. So I think the idea at this current time is, you know, refine processes, refine um, procedures really build that infrastructure work so that when when the market does turn we're riding that wave rather than kind of peddling it up after it that that's kind of the the idea behind what we're doing right at the moment you know but there's still steel beams to make there's still steel beams to install um you know it's but as far as future proofing goes that's kind of what we're trying to do at the moment new new brave new world so we're, we're trying to be prepared for it so there you go. Thanks for joining our conversation with Stephen today. If you'd like to connect more with him, you'll find his details in the show notes. Today's conversation shows us that a sustainable talent development pipeline is key to ensuring any organizational success. Massive change isn't necessarily always the best approach. Sometimes all it takes is little tweaks on the status quo to reinvigorate processes to become helpful and relevant again. The key is building your organizational culture to be constantly looking for ways to learn and improve. Food for thought till we see you next time. So hit subscribe and if you'd like what you heard today, please like, review or share with any metalheads you know. Let's spread the word. If you'd like what you heard today, you may be interested to find out more about MetalMind, our sector-specific, industry-focused social platform that connects like-minded members of our community together to collaborate and learn. The details are in the show notes.